It's Golden Hour Adventure Time, featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things. From the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat, these are their stories. Now, from the back of the pack, your hosts, Justin and Robbie. Hey, welcome to Golden Hour Adventures. We have an extremely interesting individual today. Uh, he's run over 60 marathons. He's run three majors, and then after this year, he'll have one left, Tokyo. He's also the owner and operator of Black Hills Running Company. Mike Albin, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. Awesome, man. Well, uh, thanks for taking the time out and coming out and hanging out with us for an hour or so. Yeah, like I, like I said, I was a little bit late. My hair is still wet from my, <laughs> my run this morning. Your damp run. It yeah. Was, it was a very it was, damp run. It was pretty humid this morning, so... So tell us about yourself, Mike. Uh, just go through like how you got into running. Where did where did running start? Where did these sixty marathons come through? Just go ahead and let's start yeah, at the beginning. So, let's, let's learn about Mike. Well, uh, it actually all started on, and it, it's interesting. March fifteenth of two thousand four. Um, I was laying on the couch one morning. I was like, I'm going to go for a run, and put on my cotton socks and went outside and it was actually starting to snow. Um, I made it about a half mile and it was a long walk back to the house. <laughs> um, and that's where the adventure started. Um, just started to pick it up um, and had some uh, uh, very close running, uh, a friend at work that uh, she was a runner. And so she talked me into a half marathon um, that, that June and so started training um and finished the half marathon in i believe it was two hours and 36 minutes where was that half marathon at? Uh, it was the deadwood mickelson oh okay cool and uh, i remember going to getting done and we were starving so we went to <laughs> qdoba and we were so sore that we had to couldn't even get up onto the curb to get in so we had to take the the, the little ramp to get up into <laughs> Qdoba. Uh, it was it was awful, um, but I loved it and immediately signed up for um, my first marathon that October. Which one was that? Um, it was called the Mount Rushmore Marathon. It okay. started at Mount Rushmore and it ended at Crazy Horse. Ooh. And I, I didn't know it at the time, but it was going to be my first ultra as well. Oh. Uh, because we got, <laughs> we got lost. Um and ran, uh, it was a little, well, it was before Garmin. It, I still had, um, <laughs> I, I had my, uh, it's when Apple came out with the shuffle with the lanyard. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Um, <laughs> I hit a deer on the way up to run that marathon. So it didn't start out very well. Um, Seems like everything was just going perfect. It, for your yeah, it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> it started to snow. Um, and I had a group of friends that were watching me at the end and, you know, I, I got lost uh, along with a few other fellow runners and we uh, missed the turn. And so we ran about a, about two miles extra. Okay. So it's my first ultra. Nice. Um, and my friends were all waiting to cheer me on to finish and... They got a little bit nervous when the ambulance left because it was <laughs> they were tearing down. Um, it was it was my very my longest marathon, six hours and seventeen minutes. But I finished 
And then that's ultimately where I, I was a little traumatized with the marathon for a little bit. So that was in 2006. I did not did not run my next marathon until 2009. Okay. Um, I, I did a couple of halves throughout that uh, that stint, but I did not get the gumption up to do my next till 2009. But um, I had a running friend, running buddy that I ran with um, through that time, and so he talked me into doing Salt Lake City, and uh, not only. We, we, my goal was to come in four hours and nine minutes. I don't know why I picked 409, but that was my goal. That's such a some, random time. There's probably some pace involved in that one. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> um, and so we, uh, my running friend, um, we had a goal that if I ran 409 or faster and she ran a 215 half, um, that we would get tattoos. Oh, and so at mile 20, I knew I was going to hit that 409. I actually ran a 356 oh, wow. um, that day. And I immediately finished and I looked at her and I said, what was your time? And she's like, I was cursing you all the way up State Street um, because she came in 214. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we got we got our tattoos the very next week. Um, that's that's this one on on my, around my ankle. Um, so that's really where the addiction started okay. is after that. Um, I, I contribute my addiction to my friend, John, where, um, we started and that was, uh, Salt Lake city. That would have been April of 2009. Then we did quarter lane or we did Fargo a couple of weeks later. And then we did quarter lane a couple of weeks after that. So it was back to back to back marathons. And so um, I contribute that addiction to to John. Quarter Lane's a pretty tough one, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. I don't think was, anything's easy. In it was a Lane. little rough. Um, <laughs> when I started to see people disappear in the hills or behind the trees, I was like, where are they going? <laughs> and you turn and you found this mountain that you had to climb. I was like, oh. Okay, so get up over the mountain, and then it was a long run down. And then I met the first lead marathon. I was like, oh, God, we have to go back up this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very long, it was a very long out and back, and I just dreaded because I knew I would have to come back up that, go back up that mountain. But very pretty um, and got a lot of uh found out I, I lived in Montana. Um, I grew up in Montana, but I've never driven the entire length of Montana until that year. Oh, okay. um, and it's a very long state. It is very long. It's so, beautiful though. Oh yeah. But, um, I grew up in Sydney, Montana. Uh, so it is where people say, where's that? And I was like, well, I was almost North Dakota and almost Canadian. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of puts that in perspective yeah. of the the very most eastern part of Montana, right on the Yellowstone River. Nice. So, uh, sixty marathons. Is there a goal to run a marathon in each state? There is. So, yes, I'm actively trying to get through all of the states. Um, you know, I I conquered a lot of the states, it, and that goal didn't start to transform until probably about eight years ago, um, I kept going back to the same marathons over and over again. 
Um, so I like I've uh, repeated Utah and Montana and South Dakota several, several times. So uh, I kind of hurt myself on that front. But yeah, a lot of the states are now East Coast. And so just going to keep chipping away at it yeah. um, year after year. Well, there's some cool marathons out on the East Coast. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like the Northeast, like got to go out there in the fall and run some of their marathons. Yeah. Uh, and that I, the picture that I just sent you that uh, you'll post is one I, I have some very addictive running friends right now. Um, one that has run over 260 marathons. Yeah. Um, she, you know, I, I'm an easy sell. So I get a random text <laughs> and says, Hey, do you want to go to Rhode Island or, or um, uh, New Hampshire? And I was like, sure, I'll go to New Hampshire. Um, so we went out there last October. Uh, my coach um, said, don't lose your head. And I was like, I won't. And um, I finished, I sent him my time. He's like, mm, that's not what we agreed upon. <laughs> and but it was fantastic. Uh, just beautiful country out there. Um, and it was nice and cool weather. I just loved it. Just had a had a great time. I like the smaller marathons. I mean, I I you know I'll I'll do the big marathons like the the majors and but I really like I call them the mom and pop marathons. Yeah. You know, a few hundred runners. It's the best. Yeah. So. Out of your 60 marathons so far, far taking out the majors, because I know a lot of people will like the majors, what is your, what's your best experience? What's your, your worst experience, I guess? Worst experience. Um, worst experience was my very first six hours and 17 minutes. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was a very long, grueling um, marathon. Um, you know, I also got lost. So that wasn't very much fun. Um, but that was probably the hardest mentally because it was my very first. I had no idea what to get into. Um, as you become more seasoned, you kind of know what your body is doing and when to back off and when to push. Um, my best experience, um, two of them, um, was, and this is crazy, it was um, a race down in... Uh, Kansas City, um, that it was a double out and back. And I talked my friend Keith into going. Um, and it was the week before Thanksgiving. It was called the Pilgrim Pacer. And it was a double out and back, which I've never, I've done out and backs, but I've never done a double. And it, it was basically a 10K out, turn around, come back to the fi finish, and do it all over again. Oh. And I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, but I I rocked that race. It was so much fun. Um, it probably helped that it was 32 degrees the entire yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it it was fantastic. Uh, the my main goal for the first half was not to be uh, beaten by the guy that was wearing a turkey outfit, a full out turkey <laughs> outfit. I was like, he and he was, <laughs> he was ahead of me for the longest. I was like, I can't, I, I can't let him beat me. Uh, but it, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, got pumpkin pie at the end and it was a fantastic event. Um, my probably most memorable was Walt Disney world. Um, didn't particularly care for getting up at one o'clock in the morning, 
to get to the start and just stand there. Yeah, I've heard that's pretty bad. Like you have to like stand there forever for hours. And I've heard you had to walk a couple miles actually before the yeah. marathon starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, very dark. I, I like running in the dark, so I we ran in the dark for probably a good hour. Wow. Uh, and but that day, I just felt so good, and I just kept surging, getting faster and faster. And I finished. It was a PR for the longest time at three twenty three. Um, but it was something out of, out of the blue. I was not expecting to run that fast. Um, but enjoyed it. Um, it it was very, very, um, memorable because I never hit the wall. I, there was nothing. It was, was fantastic. I've heard a lot of good things about the Disney marathon, how they just kind of roll out the red carpet for every single runner, no matter like if you're a fast runner, slow runner, you're just out there to have fun, take pictures. Yep. I've heard that they like, they really do it up for every single person that's out on that course. Every, about every quarter mile or so, there was a different character and they had photographers that had every character. And my rule was I wasn't going to stop if there was a line and there was some of them, there was a monstrous line. (laughs) And so there was there was characters that I'd come up and they nobody was there and I would buzz in and that photographer was on point every single time and take the picture and I was out of there. So I had like nine pictures with characters and still ran a three twenty three. So it was it was good. That's that's super impressive. So speaking of PRs, is uh, what is your PR? PR is three oh three. Okay. Um, I ran that out in. Uh, Washington, um, in, in the mountains out there in the Cascade Mountains, uh, the super marathon, uh, fantastic event. Uh, Sabrina's done an outstanding, um, time putting that together. Um, you do it out and back at the very top, um, four or five miles, and then you go into a two and a half mile train tunnel. Um, it, it, it was awesome. Uh, you know, you, you start in and you're like, okay, it's not going to get that dark. And you're in about five feet and you're like, yep, it's dark. And you just keep running and you see this little tiny dot, little tiny light, and the light just gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> and uh, you, you're just running right alongside. You can look down to your right and see I-90 right below you. Um, and that, that day, everything just clicked for me. Um, I was starting to get a little fatigued at about mile 23, where I slowed up just a little bit. But, um, you know, I came in 303, was super happy with it. Um, My goal was 259. um, And those last two miles caught me. And, you know, if if you're running a 645 pace, and then you run a 730, you, you lose that, lose that minute very quickly. So but you know, still, still happy with it. It's three Oh three. Um, I'm still trying to chase it. Um, you know, my, my old body is wearing down. So now I'm more into, let's just keep it under three thirty. Yeah. Um, and just enjoy. Sweet. Um, so, so fueling, what do you use for fueling helping you out along these to do a three Oh three marathon? Surely you're using something. Yeah. Um, so typically it's Gatorade water at the eight stations, but, um, I, ever since I started with my coach, um, you know, he is very much, you have to take in, um, nutrition every 30 minutes, bottom of the hour, top of the hour. Um, and that's been my 
my go-to every single race since I've been, um, been with my coach. Um, and it's really testing, you know, things. I was really um, into cliff shots a lot. Well, uh, at the very beginning, I was into the jelly beans. Um, <laughs> and my running partner, John, that I first started running with, um, he didn't particularly care for the jelly beans because they would uh, click in my in my in my pocket. It's nothing and more annoying than your running partner I, like sloshing water. Or I had I have music music in my ears a lot, and John never wore music. And he's like, "You've got to take those jelly beans out of your pocket. <laughs> I, I can't take it anymore." Um, and funny backstory to that. Also, I listened to some of my music really loud. Um, and he's uh, at w one run, he, I was listening to it so loud that he's like, and on repeat, cause I'm a repeater. Um, he goes, can we listen to a different song? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm done with this song. So speaking of music, what are you listening to? Uh, anything and everything. Okay. Um, you know, jamming some Mozart or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I plead the fifth on that. <laughs> Um, no, it, music by Dancer, um, the remix of that, I, I've listened to more times than not. The, the six hours and 17 minutes, um, this is probably going to make people cringe, but I actually, and again, on the lanyard, old Apple shuffle. Um, so I had to manually repeat this song and it was Kylie Minogue, Can't Get You Out of My Head. Nice. For six hours and 17 minutes. People are like, you are absolutely insane. But it got me through that race. Um, music, it, it's anything and everything from country to uh, dance mixes uh, down to um, Duhost, you know, I see rap style. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that, Go a little hardcore. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> because so of it, George Strait to so Ramstein. <laughs> exactly. I, well, and I was going to say more, you, you hear Ramstein and then very next uh, is Call Me Maybe. Okay. Holly Ray Jepsen. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's very eclectic. That's the kind of music I do like listening to that, that like call me maybe like that little pop stuff yep. when I'm, you know, just kind of out by myself and cruising. <laughs> like I do listen to that as well. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I have a, a rolling, uh, a rolling uh, shuffle of music as well. But Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm very intrigued and always inquisitive of, you know, when you pass runners and they have headphones in, you're like, what are they listening to? Yeah. It, it's it's very much something that was like, uh, they're listening to Carly Rae. If I'm on a long like run through the trails just out there by myself, I'll usually listen to a podcast or a book. I've heard that. And it, I don't know, There's I have this theory that if you're listening to a song, you already know the song. So you're focusing on not what's going on in your head music wise. You're listening, you're focusing on well, my feet hurt, my legs hurt, mm -hmm. I want to be done with this. You know, because you already know the song, so you're not focusing on the music. But if you're listening to a podcast or a audiobook, you're focusing on the book or the podcast because the you don't know what's going to come up, and so you're not thinking about the pain. Right. So, I don't know. That's my theory. I don't know. It 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 works it makes for me. Sense. So yeah. But sometimes podcasts can get super boring when you're yes. on the trails for hours. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, let me turn on some some uh, Carly Rae Jepsen <laughs> to get this going a little bit. Yep, so. just sick of hearing people talking. Cool. So, what kind of uh, what kind of gear do you wear? Do you have like a specific shoe brand that you like? Short shirt, or are you just kind of like 
Whatever I am, works. I, so when I ran my fastest, uh, the 303, I was in the Escalanes. I loved, well, and before that, um, you know, at, at the very beginning of my career, I was in Brooks. Um, and I think everyone starts. In I, Brooks. I think everybody starts in Brooks. And then you start to diversify and try to figure out what works for you. Um, when I ran, um, when I ran Walt Disney World, I was actually Merrill's. Um, and Merrill's. it was the flat feet. Um, and the people are like, oh, like the toesy shoes. And I was like, think of the toesy shoes, but in a shoe. And back then, I didn't even actually wear socks, um, and which people are like, that, why don't you wear socks? I was like, I, I don't know. I just didn't. It's funny. I started in the Merrill Trail Gloves, and I didn't wear socks either. Yeah. And so I ran many, many miles in Merrill's, and and my friend Brian, he's like, you should get try to get a sponsor because I don't think there's anybody that where's Merrill's anymore? I was like, well, I do. And I, I ran bot my first Boston Merrill's. It was, I liked them. And then um, when Ultra came out with the Escalani, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do because of the zero drop. I like that. So I moved into the Escalani's and more the racer. And I enjoyed that. And that's where I ran my 303. It was in the, in the racer. Um, then um, I ran in those for probably seven years. And one day, two years ago, my calf, I was coming up 44 um, by Hysega and I strained my calf. Just, I, I wasn't doing any speed work. It, it just, it just pulled. Um, and I was like, so it was, uh, it was a walk and uh, a phone call home saying, come pick me up. And so got that rested. I went into Sockneys um, for some for some uh, a little bit of drop and got the calf healed up and so I went back into my ultras and I pulled it again and so I was like okay my body's telling me um, zero drop is not my shoe anymore mm -hmm. so I wore Sockneys for about a year and a half um, and then when the store opened um, I started to um, bring in several different different lines and I'm actually in Under Armour right now and I I ran in the Velocities um, for Deadwood Mickelson and I loved them um, and now I'm in the Velocity Elite and um, those are my fast shoes and then um, Mizunos I've been running in as my my everyday um, um, easy shoes. Cool short shirt anything just no particular brand or no particular kind of brand um you know i like color so it's always something something different um you know the ceps uh i've really starting to really like their apparel um and you know as far as socks beligas or cep socks are usually my go-to's okay cool cool so let's transition a little bit to uh to running majors yeah so what kind of got you into wanting to run the majors? I mean, I know as a marathoner, that's kind of everybody's goal is to try to get into Boston and then, you know, maybe move on from there. So kind of tell us the story, how that led into three and after the end of this year, uh, five oh. Yeah. So um, when my friend John and I qualified for Boston at St. George, we both went to Boston together. And so that was our first experience in the major. So my head wasn't even in accomplishing all six back then uh, I was just most excited 
getting into Boston. So we ran Boston. And since we um, technically uh, Chicago, we used the St. George time that we ran Boston and we got into Chicago. So um, now, now we've clipped off two majors. And then um, my friend Dave and I started to talk and we talked about getting into Berlin. Well, Berlin's lottery. And at that time, and I don't know if it's still the, the case, but at that time you could go in as pairs under one ticket and you both would get it. And the damned if we did not get our names drawn <laughs> for Berlin. I wish the Western States would do that. Right. <laughs> Everyone would be buddying up. <laughs> I don't even know you, but do you want to go on Western States? How many qualifiers you got? <laughs> How many tickets you got in there? <laughs> exactly. And so we got into Berlin. That was 2016. And that was an extremely memorable race. Um, you know, just running through that historic town um, and um, just every single mile just clipped by, um, well, kilometer. <laughs> um, it's that, worse when it's 42 kilometers. <laughs> that took a little bit of um, understanding and, you know, refocusing because I was, you know, it's always in miles. miles yeah. And so then I started to do the math. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, I just passed 32K. Marathon's 42. So I only have a 10K left. That's six months. I can do that. And that was actually the most consistent marathon that I've ever, um, um, uh, other than my pacing gigs, um, that was my most consistent. I ran a 320 and I was only 15 seconds off from my first half to my second half. Oh, wow. Um, it was an extremely um, uh, uh, well-paced race. Yeah. How did the... How did that Berlin Marathon compare to other ones you ran in the States? What was the, the differences that you saw besides the kilometers? Uh, besides the kilometers? Um, well, things are in German, and there was an aid station, and uh, I didn't know. I, I figured it was just a regular Powerade, Gatorade, regular aid station. No, it was an aid station full of beer. I'm just going to wonder if that so was I beer. grabbed that, <laughs> and I grabbed that. I realized that it was beer and so it was it was put back into the recycle bin very quickly um uh other than that i mean they put on a fantastic race uh they had a spot on i mean obviously because it's a it's a world major that they know what they're doing um you know and you know going over there that was my very first international race um so we were i was a little apprehensive you know language barrier had no issue other than trying to get into the expo. We went down the wrong block and the security guard, he did not speak English, rightfully <laughs> so. Um, and he was trying to tell us this wasn't where we needed to be. And we're just standing there looking at him like, I, I have no idea. And the, the couple behind us told us, oh yeah, you need to go around the other, the other way. Ah, thank you. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, anything in the U.S., I mean, it's pretty much spot on. Um, they they know what they're doing. Are the majors all uh, under one company or are they? Not one company, um, but it, it's sponsored by Abbott. Um, and so then when you finish all six majors, then you get a uh, six-star medal. 
and it's just this giant medal that has all of the 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 six majors uh, aligned to it. Um, it will be interesting here in the next few years if they add a seventh star. Um, there's a couple of contenders in there. Sid, I know Sydney, Australia is vying for that seventh star. So there's a um, lot of a uh, lot of publicity around that, and a lot of big big names coming to those races for those for those majors. So you need to go run your your six to one, so you can get the six star, and then you need to and then run and then seven, they'll change it, seven, and then I need to go to Sydney. But then you need to have both medals. I think exactly. Cool. Yeah, I like it. Um, was Berlin the only international marathon that you've run? No, I've actually ran um, Amsterdam. Um, Amsterdam. Uh, was right after the super marathon where I ran the 303 and I finished the, finished the super marathon in a, on the ferry ride across the, um, uh, across the way in Seattle. Uh, I signed up for Amsterdam thinking that's a flat course. I think I could do a sub three there and everything was going really well. And until, uh, one very chilly morning, I pulled my hamstring. And I actually heard it snap. Um, and that that was about a month out from Amsterdam. Uh, so I was letting it heal, um, doing really well. And so I was like, I'm running Amsterdam. I'll just run it slow. Um, and I hit the checkpoint. I think it was a 145. I hit that checkpoint or the half marathon. It's like, I actually feel pretty good. And the leg is feeling good. And at about mile 16, I felt the heat uh, where it first snapped. I was like, uh-oh. And that was a very long 10 miles. Um, it was a walk jog. Um, but I finished 356. But that... <laughs> <laughs> that a walk jog, 356. Yeah. Um, but that put me out uh, for, uh, so that was in October. That put me out until February. Oh, wow. Um, that, that hamstring just was not healing. And I had Boston coming up. And so then I started to really panic. And I mean, I was going to anybody and everybody that would do something um, to help fix me. Uh, physical therapist finally uh, got me on the right path. Uh, Beginning of March, I actually started to be able to put in some miles. My longest run then was an 18-miler um, before Boston. So Boston was just a victory lap for me at that. That was 2019. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that was that was my last international race. And now here upcoming in uh, 45 days or so, I'll be running London. Awesome. So you mentioned uh, when you were running Berlin that you had that was your most consistent pace, other than your pacing gigs. Yeah. So how do you get into pacing? What marathons have you paced? Um, I have paced several. Um, I my very first gig was at the Rock and Roll Half Marathon in New Orleans. Um, my again, uh, Super Marathon. Her name's Sabrina, race director. She also had the has the Super Pacers. So she asked me to. Uh, pace the half, and so I ran the 145, best time of my life. Oh my gosh, I had such a good time. Um, what, what's funny is uh, I 
was standing in the corral in New Orleans, and this guy comes up with his, I, I think he was probably 12, 12 year old son. And he looks at me and he's like, you need to stay with him the entire time. And I was like, okay, now I'm a, a babysitter. Fantastic. <laughs> um, so we started running and that kid stayed with me the entire time. It was awesome. Um, it was, it, it just, it just lit the fire in me to help give back to the community um, or the running community in, in this way. So that kid finished. I said, good job, buddy. And I was like, oh, he doesn't look very good. And he throws up everywhere. And I was like, oh, no. And, you know, being 12, uh, he got a little bit embarrassed and he walked away. And so I'm standing there waiting for the next pacer to come in to hand my, uh, to get his pole. And that kid came back, gave me a hug and said, thank you. And so I was like, ah, this is what I'm going to do from now on whenever I can give back um, and uh, give back to pacing. So I started that. Then Sabrina talked me into going down to Florida um, and uh, Tokoma and kind of right outside of Daytona and ran the Tokoma Marathon. My very first one was a four hour um, and I came in like 3.59.30. So wow. dead on. And I was like, I, I can pace and I can pace pretty well. Um, and so did Tokoma for two years. Um, I did the four hour and I think I did the 3.50. Um, and then did, uh, uh, what was my next one? Um, I think Chicago was my next one. My next because pandemic, everything was kind of put to the halt. Um, and so Chicago last year, um, because Boston happened the day after Chicago, a lot of the Pacers for Chicago opted to go run Boston. So Sabrina reached out, asked if I could, if I was interested. I was like, uh, hell yes. And so had to send in all my credentials and um, got asked to join the, the, the team. Um, I was running the 350 and through Facebook, I found out that my friend Kimmy, who also um, ran Tokoma as well, um, was running the 350 pace group as well. So we were actually paced together, which was awesome. Um, and we, absolutely nailed that we came in 349 like 35 25 seconds under our goal time so it was fantastic um very memorable um in in chicago it, it's funny when you're um pacing there's like an imaginary line between the pacers and the group <laughs> nobody goes jumps ahead or pushes the pushes the pacer a little bit so all you hear is these footsteps behind you. And you know, I mean, when you're, when you're um, pacing, you probably should not be wearing music. Right. Um, you should be talking and encouraging and stuff. But I was like, there is so much footsteps. I mean, you couldn't even hear music because it was just a thunderous pounding of feet behind you. Uh, but yeah, uh, we nailed our time. So we're going, both going back this year. Um, 350 group. So it will be an interesting fall because I'll have London on October 2nd. And then I get back 
that Tuesday and then our turnaround on Friday to uh, Pace Chicago. That's gotta be super rewarding to be at Pacer because I would imagine it's like, that's someone's goal that they've been working towards for, you know, probably the whole year they got into Chicago and then they're, you know, just over the moon that they're running and they have a goal. Like I want to run a four hour marathon and you helped probably hundreds, if not maybe a couple thousand people yeah. achieve that goal. It's gotta be it's very kind rewarding. of rewarding, you it's know, extremely rewarding. Yeah. And I'm sure people have come up to you and, Yes. You know, like, thank you so much. You know, I couldn't yep. have done it without you type thing. Like, yep. that's super cool. It, it's very, very neat. And some of my very good friends I've met out on the course. Um, there's two Tracys from Tokama. I remember both of them. They both qualified for Boston. Um, just, it's just very rewarding. I mean, yeah, you're out there for three hours and some minutes with them. So you get to know them, yeah. who they are, what they do. Um uh, you know, you kind of have to, you kind of have to understand how humans work. You're like, you know, I'm a, sometimes a little chatterbox and sometimes people don't want to talk. And so I was like, okay, it's mile 23. We're going to just not talk for the next mile. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I would imagine it's a lot of pressure too. Like the reward's worth it once you make it to the end, but the pressure has got to be like very high. I, it, it's a, it's a job. It's a free job that you can easily get fired from yeah. <laughs> <laughs> easily get fired from um for for messing up yeah. and you know everybody has their moments uh, you know you know people can fall apart at any time so that's why like chicago there's multiple 350 um, teams and there's always two people with the team in the smaller races it was it was the lone stick and um you know if you fall apart you know you you just take the stick and you kind of Tuck it under your, your arm. And, <laughs> Sorry, guys. You're on your own. Okay, okay, exactly. I'm going to be behind y'all. <laughs> I need to stop here for a minute at the aid station. Uh, but, yeah, extremely rewarding. I, I absolutely love giving back to the running community. Um, I would do more pacing gigs um, just, to, just to help people. I would, I would think those pacing gigs are harder than running your own race. It is because you have to mentally, when you see people surging, you tend to want to surge with them. You're like, nope. Um, at Tokama, at my, I still remember at mile 18, people started to push the pace and started to pull ahead. And I'm like, well, I'm keeping up with them. And I looked down, I was like, that is not what I'm supposed to be doing. So uh, I always <laughs> think, you know, I'm, I need to drag the anchor a little bit and and hold back. Yeah, because people out there run their own race. If they're feeling good. They can take off. Go. But you got to learn to yep. kind of stay back and like I have to get these other people that want to run the four hour. Yep. To the um, usually at about mile twenty four and a half or so, I start telling people to get moving, and because I want to come in all alone, because y you need to be in front of me. Right. Yep. You need to beat the pacer. That's cool. So speaking of giving back, uh, you you race direct a couple of marathons yourself. Uh, I do, I do, <laughs> I do. Um, so I, I, again, I get talked into things very easily. Um, so Sundance Spearfish Marathon was um, it was a uh, a brainchild of Bob Kennedy um, up in New Hampshire that he was trying to get sub four in all of the fifty states, and Wyoming has a very it is very limited in the the marathons that are out there. And so he came out to the hills 
and created a marathon that starts at Cement Ridge on the on the Wyoming side of the Black Hills and runs down um, some valleys and some canyons that ends in Spearfish um, 26 miles later. So, um, and you use that race to either check off South Dakota or check off Wyoming um, as one year fits. You start in Wyoming and you end in South Dakota. Correct. That's so, cool. Yep. You can't, you can't claim both in the same race. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. can cl claim one or the other, but you come back twice and then you can. Then you got both. Um, and so Bob ran that race for quite a uh, few years. I, I think three years, three or four years. And then Bob's like, you know, and he had multiple races like that around the, around the uh, United States and, and, and even Hawaii. And we knew that this was going to be the last year that he was going to um, do it. So I reached out to him and said, you know, I don't want this race to go away. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic race. Uh, it's a fantastic course. And so I took it over from Bob um, back in 19, 19. Yes. And um, it was my very first um gig as race director um didn't really know what i was getting into um my friends heather and krista were the ones that were encouraging me to um take it over um selfishly for them so they could come run it and you know <laughs> pr and go to boston uh so took it over and have a fantastic lineup of volunteers that helped me out every single year i couldn't do it without them um and you know they they do it without you know any grumbles they might grumble getting up <laughs> at one o'clock in the morning with me um but it, it's extremely rewarding watching that first person to the last person cross that finish line on something that you've done and put together so extremely rewarding um and so it started that in 19 pandemic. We were one of the very few marathons because we were so small. Um, uh, Cement Ridge is extremely tiny um, and it's at the top of a uh, uh, forest lookout tower. And so transportation up there is a little uh, dicey. And so the um, the transportation, we, we only get so many buses up there. And so it's it's sells out very quickly um there's a cap this year i had the most people coming 100 people um they're all very excited so um we we have a we have a good time and you know giving back to the running community in that in that sector so then this year uh, well last year elaine doll done from the leading ladies it was time to pass the baton on that race um and she organized that race for 17 years. Wow. And so uh, my myself, uh, the Malums and Holsels, we took it over. And so here, actually next week, um, we will be gearing up for our first race. Uh, we added a 10K in there. Um, and then we actually are allowing men. Uh, for 17 years, it was a women's only race. Um, so the lady is still going to be there. Uh, so the women run first, and then the Dakota Spirit Marathon runs right after that, 30 minutes later. Awesome. Can women run in the Dakota Spirit? Uh, the Dakota Spirit Half Marathon and 10K is uh, for everybody. Okay. But um, 
Dakota Spirit Marathon will be the men's division, and then the leading lady uh, will be the women's division. Oh, so cool. two separate races. Is there a uh, plan to maybe merge those together so you just have one marathon? Eventually. Um, you know, I still want to keep the lady, the legacy going okay. um, and, and going through. Um, but, you know, the... At, at some point, you know, it may, it may transpire to that, but, um, we'll see. Yeah. So is there any, uh, aspirations to pick up another race or start another race? Or? Oh, you know, my friend, Justin, um, <laughs> he, he, you know, I'm, a, I'm an easy sell. So, uh, I've been thinking about it. So yeah, there's, there's going to be some, now that we have uh, the running company up and running, um, you know, very passionate about this, very passionate about the running community. So there'll be some, uh, there'll be some new things coming up. Awesome. Well, we're excited to, to hear and possibly run in the, uh, in the new somethings coming up. I'm actually running the uh, Dakota Spirit Half Marathon next year, so, or the next week. So I'm pretty excited about seeing the i've never run one of your races before so it's going to be cool to experience uh a mike alvin style race so i've heard great things so i'm, I'm looking forward to coming it'll out it'll be good it'll be good know, quite a few of us from the uh the runners club are coming out to, to yeah support. and even volunteering so yeah, people giving up their time yeah to spend with us is tremendous uh, absolutely i'll be there volunteering myself cool Yes, you will, and I, I I need to talk to you about what you will be doing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm so, excited. So we we've, we've kind of you know come around the block, and um, we're actually recording this podcast in the Black Hills Runner Company Running Company store. So um, as we kind of wrap up this podcast, let's kind of talk about your vision for opening the store. Where do you see the store going within the next couple of years? What was what was the idea behind opening up the running store? Yeah, so this was the brainchild of the pandemic. Um, I worked at the financial institution for 24 years. And um, at, during the pandemic, they sent us all home. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I, I was ready to return back to work. And they um, closed the facility here and kept us at home 100%. And I was like, I'm not sure if I want to spend the next 15 years in my office all by myself. I'm more of a people person. So uh, the the founder of Physio Performance um, was, uh, we were talking one night and it was really the brainchild uh, that that evening kind of sparked everything. Um, we went to the running event down in Austin, Texas last uh, November to start looking at lines and get to know people. And we ran into Greg Cook uh, from Run 605 over in Sioux Falls, and we started talking, and he's super excited that we opened a store here, and, you know, just really giving the best product and different options to the Black Hills um, is, is my passion, and giving back, and just having uh, this Run Specialty store and the uniqueness of it, um, it, it just is very inspiring, and I you know, I'm just so excited for it. You know, we were all excited when it, it opened up as well. Yeah, because we didn't have really a good running shop, so to say, here yeah. in Rapid City. Yeah, just we're in a fantastic area. Um, we're just right behind the bike path, right in front of uh, M Hill. So we, ha on Thursday nights, we have 
uh, the run group start here, um, either take the take to the hills or the bike path, and then end here with some sort of food um, and just good conversation. Yeah, it's been it's been a very welcoming addition to the running community. So yeah. we always give Mike uh, give him a little shit because he's a road runner. <laughs> I am and, a road runner. And, I, uh, we're I've, trying to get him to, to, to buy more into the trail scene. So. I've had visions of myself being beaten by a mountain lion more <laughs> times than, uh, more than twice. And so, uh, it scares me a little bit. Yeah. So awesome, Mike. Well, um, I, I don't think I have any more questions. Do I, you? I got one more. Who do you think we should uh, next? Who, who, who should we talk to? Is there any people that inspire you that would be good on the show? Um, people that inspire me. Um, there and do you ever do dual um, two co-hosts or two talks at the same time? We're one hundred percent up for it. So two ladies. Um, I mentioned their names: Heather and Krista from Chicago. Um, Chris is wicked fast. Um, uh, she is ran. She she is very much a uh, trying to uh, accomplish that sub three marathon, and she actually has done it several times. And Heather, who has done two hundred and sixty plus marathons, I'll get you in contact with those two ladies. Super inspiring. They can talk. You know, be prepared to be talked into something along the way. So I look forward to uh, those two ladies are very inspiring, and I love them. Awesome, awesome. Well, Mike, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Um, learning a little bit about yourself. Uh, this has been great. So, uh, at the end of the, our podcast, we always give the opportunity to you to shout out whoever you want to shout out. Um, give kudos to who you want to give kudos to. Um, this is basically a time to put yourself, you know, put yourself out there. Yeah. No, Any, I, anyone you want to shout out, this is I mean, open you space. guys for putting this on, um, the, the run group here that, you know, all of the friends and family, just, just absolutely amazing. Um, and very inspirational of talking with anybody and everybody, um, you know, just the the support here has just been ter tremendous and i can't say thank you enough i don't think we can thank you enough either for what you've done for us i mean those thursday night group rounds are it's the highlight social, yeah the social hour after people hang around you hang out keep the store open for all of us you know it's amazing operating hours can't thank you enough it's uh, a long day but i enjoy it i really think that's what a you know in, in my opinion i mean others may have different but you know it's not just owning a store it's it's operating a, within a community yep. and so it's it's all about the community you know like even though the store is open longer and you're here for a little bit longer than what you probably want to be um you know we we definitely are, are glad that you do yep. allow that for us so uh, like like i said uh thanks for coming on the podcast i really appreciate it um look forward to hearing more from you all right appreciate it guys Thank you for listening. This podcast has been produced and edited by Backbeat Sound. Come and find us on Instagram at BackbeatSound1776 or email us at BackbeatSound1776 at gmail.com.